made by fire to the Lord on the eighth day. I just love this. This is one of those funny places of how the Lord says things to point something out to us, to help us to catch something that he doesn't really totally define. So he's saying so clearly here, I'm having you look at this feast of sevens, understanding that it is my completed plan, and you will celebrate it for the full seven days, but then there's one more, the eighth day. So he helps us to understand that in the celebration of sevens, there's more. There's more to come. There's more than just the seven is what he's telling us. And he says this again if you look in 39. It says on the 15th day of the seventh month, then you shall have a gathering in the fruit of the land, for you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. And, um, oh, let me see. There was one more place that it says eighth day. Let me grab that for you. Oh, yes, I just didn't finish. For seven days, and on the first day, there will be a Sabbath rest, and on the eighth day, a Sabbath rest. So again, he's reminding us that in this seven-day festival, there's an eighth day. The way the Jewish people understood this was that they understood that they celebrated. They built their booths and their Sukkot, uh, their sukkahs out in the wilderness to celebrate Sukkot. And they would go and celebrate for seven days. And then they would begin to pack up. And they would begin to take their sukkahs down. But they would not leave. They would stay for one more day, the eighth day. They didn't pack up on that day. It was a Sabbath rest. And so they would be prepared to just uh, enjoy the day. So we look at this and we understand this in some small way that God is telling us that there's a little bit more. But what does that mean to us today? As we understand a little more about how they celebrated, I think we can look at this and how it affects us today. So turn with me to John chapter 7. It's on page 1231. Actually, we're going to start on page 1230, chapter 7, verse 1. Let's start there. Since after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews... Feast of Tabernacle was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples may also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known, known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. So they're mocking him here. And then it says in verse 6, Then Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is already. 
is always ready. I'm sorry, your time is always ready. He was saying to his disciples, he was saying, I'm not going down on the first day of tabernacles. My time is not here yet. What I'm to do is not it's not time. It's not time for me to come in this place of the millennial reign and to really show who I am. It's not my time yet. But he says, your time is already here. Go on down. Go and begin to rehearse. Go and begin to celebrate. Go and to be thankful for the things you've seen God do. Go and prepare for the things that are to come. Then we skip over to verse 37. It says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So Jesus doesn't go down on the first day of Feast of Tabernacles. He does go down a little later about in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles. And then he comes to the last day. And it says on the last day, and then it has a comma, because the next little bit is explaining about this last day. It says that is the great day, the great day of the feast. It's a Sabbath rest, and it's the eighth day. So the last day of the seven-day feast is not the seventh day, but the eighth day the great day. And this is the day that Jesus stands up and cries out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If you remember, we taught, or Kathy taught a little bit last week on what was going on every day during the Feast of Tabernacles. They celebrated what was called the water libation, the water offering. And they would come in a place and um, have this big celebration every single day that the seven days are going on. And the priest would come, first of all, bringing the offerings to the altar. So there would be about a third of the priests that would come and offer the burn offering and the peace offering and the grain offering on the altar. About a third of the priest would come bringing the drink offering. You remember a while ago we were reading in Leviticus 23 and it said to bring your drink offering. So the drink offering was usually a silver pitcher. Sometimes they would use a silver bowl. But in this bowl, in this pitcher, they would have wine. And the priest would come as the ones are... are uh, bringing the sacrifices on the altar, the priest would come with their silver pitcher or silver bowl and with the wine in it, and they would be playing the shofars, and people would be dancing along with them, and they would be coming as well to the altar. And they would come up to the altar with the silver pitcher of wine. There was also another third of the priest that would bring the water offering and they would go down with a gold pitcher and they would dip out water out of the uh, uh, out of the pool of Siloam and this pool of Siloam meant gentle flowing river 
So the pool of Siloam was a, a part of a river that it would pool together right here. And it, so it had fresh running, gentle flowing waters. And the priest would come and he would dip out of it with his gold pitcher. And then along with the people blowing the shofars and the people dancing and singing and rejoicing, he also would join at the altar. And he would bring the water. And as they came to the altar, the one with the wine would pour it on the altar at the same time that the one bringing the water would pour it on the altar. And together they would pour on the wine and the water offering. Now the water offering was a time of coming and what they were doing was being thankful. They were singing thank, thankful praises from the Hael and they were rejoicing in this place of saying thank you for the rains that you've given for our crops this year. But it was also a place of coming and being thankful for what was to come next year, for the rains that would come, that would follow and would bring good crops in the coming year. The silver pitcher that had the wine in it reminds us of the place of redemption. We are reminded of the place of Jesus' blood. In fact, let's just look at that in Matthew 26. It's on page 1146. Matthew 26, 11, 46. So silver is a picture of redemption. And the wine represents Jesus' blood. If you remember at the Passover meal, in verse 27, it says, Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. For the remissions of sin. For the remission of sin. It's a place and a picture of Redemption, Jesus' blood being shed for the remission of sin. And it comes in the silver pitcher, which is an understanding of redemption. The water offering being poured out is in a gold picture. I'm sorry, gold pitcher. And it is the understanding of royalty or kingship. So as they came in this place of being thankful for what had been given and they were crying out and trusting for what would be given, they were trusting in the one that could provide the rain. They were trusting in the God of Israel 
who could provide the rains, who had provided the crops, and who would hear their cries for the future places. So it was a place of authority. It was a place of royalty. It was a place of kingship that represented this gold picture, pitcher of water. So now as they're coming along, they were also singing and uh, saying some of the scriptures, one of which would be Isaiah 12. Let's look on page 796. Starting in verse, let's start in verse 2. It says, Behold, God is my salvation. God is my salvation. If we um, understood the Hebrew here, this word would be Yeshua. Behold, God is my Yeshua my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for Yah, the Lord, is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. You will draw waters from the wells of Yeshua. You will draw water from the wells of Jesus. So they're singing, they're dancing, they're pouring out the wine that is a picture of redemption, and they're pouring out the water, and they're singing this song, and they're saying, God, you are my salvation. And you also become, has become my salvation. And then they say, and therefore the joy you will draw, therefore with joy, you will draw waters from the well of salvation. And as they're singing these places with these thankful hearts for what only God could do, singing this place, Jesus stands up. And this is what he reads, or he speaks to them about. They're very familiar with this place. So go back to John 7. It's on page 1231. John 7. With all of this going on, Jesus stands up and he says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So they are dipping out of the well, singing out this song about the wells of salvation, pouring it on the altar, and he says, anyone who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus is defining himself with the scripture in Isaiah. 
I love the scripture that Daniel was reading us and uh, out of uh, Psalms 118. In fact, let's just look at that. I wrote down, it's on page 704. In verse 21, it says, I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. What is so powerful about this is this comes out of what is known as the Hiel. Psalms 113 through Psalms 118 are called the, the Hiel, which really is where we get the word hallelujah. And it means praise God. Praise God. And they are quoting and singing and remembering these scriptures. And it says, I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. So the very places that, that they're reading, that they're aware of, that they understand so clearly, Jesus is bringing together an understanding that he is he is salvation. He is the salva He is the one that they would look to for their salvation. He aligns himself with the scripture. And then in verse 39 it says, But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So he is also aligning with the fact that something else is to come. So he is the salvation. But with this eighth day understanding, there is a little more. And, God, and in this understanding, he is standing up and saying, out of you is going to flow rivers of living water, speaking of the Holy Spirit that would come. I want to show you one place that came to my mind as I was studying this week, and it's John 19, so a few pages over on page 1249. John 19, verse 34. Jesus is on the cross. And the soldier is coming around to see who is dead. And if, and if they're still alive, they're going to break the legs so that the people that are hanging on the cross would go ahead and die so that they could take them down before sundown. And he comes to verse 34 and it says, But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. I thought the Lord was just bringing this to my understanding. He said, again, he was defining who Jesus is. 
that his blood would be poured out for redemption. But this water, the living water, would define who he was. He is salvation. The eighth day. The eighth day. There were different times that God used this understanding of the eighth day to speak more fully about um, his plan and what he was doing. And so one of the times would be in circumcision that we remember that it was given as a sign to Abraham as the sign of the covenant that all believers, all who had faith, all that would follow God would be circumcised on the eighth day. And I was thinking about this and how this might relate to what we're looking at. And I was reminded of the fact of circumcision on the eighth day is to cut away the flesh. And and then I was also reminded of the eighth day that this is a time that the priesthood, in fact, I want to just look at that on Leviticus 8. It's on page 120 because we've been studying so much in Leviticus. Page 120. Verse 33, this all chapter 8 is about the priesthood and what is required for the priest to be consecrated to be able to serve the Lord. And it's interesting because starting in verse 33 it says, And you shall not go outside the door of the tabernacle of meeting for seven days until the days of your consecration are ended. For seven days he shall consecrate you. And he has done this day, and I'm sorry, as he has done this day, so the Lord has commanded to do, to make atonement for you. Therefore you shall stay at the door of tabernacle of meetings day and night for seven days, and keep the charge of the Lord, so that you may not die, for, for so I have been commanded. So Aaron and his sons did all the things that the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses. And it came to pass on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. So they are being consecrated, the priesthood, And in this place, in verse 33, Moses says, And you'll stay inside the door of the tabernacle of meetings for seven days. You will stay in the presence of what God is doing in his tabernacle, under his protection, with him in his dwelling place. 
and you shall not go out for seven days. But on the eighth day, see, God is doing a new thing. And on the eighth day, they would be ready to perform God's work. They would be ready for service. They would be ready to be used. And I love what it says. If you look over on the next page, uh, chapter 9, verse 23, it says, And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. So seven days they're being consecrated. They're being cleansed. They're in the presence of the Lord that he is working in their lives. And then on the eighth day, they're called to come out and to be of service and to be of use. And they go out and bless the people. And then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. I thought of this place where Jesus stands up and he says, and out of you will flow living waters. If you're thirsty, come and drink of me. Get filled up. Be consecrated. Be changed. Be who I am calling you to be. And then out of you will flow rivers of living water. The eighth day was the day needed um, that the lepers were made clean. They had seven days of having to be out and for the camp and be set apart. But on the eighth day, they could go and they were cleansed. The Nazarite vows were made on the eighth day. The eighth day. So in so many places, what we see is that there was a very special thing about God was doing something on the eighth day. And I believe that what Jesus was telling us on the, on the eighth day of the seven-day feast, a feast of tabernacles, is that yes, a part of tabernacles, but beyond tabernacles. A part of, but beyond. And so I see that he is leading us in this place of rehearsals as we come and celebrate into a new beginning, a different place, something more. So turn with me to Revelation 21. It's on page 1424. Last two chapters of the Bible. On that same page, you'll see in um, chapter 20, verse 5. Chapter 20 is talking about um, 
start in verse 4. I'm going to turn page over to 1423, and let's look at chapter 20, verse 4. It says, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their forehead or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is Feast of Tabernacles. This is the Feast of Tabernacles where the saints will be raised up to reign with Christ for a thousand years. This is the seven years that it is... Uh, I, believe it the, it, I believe that this is the last thousand years of the seven years. There are many people that believe the first 6,000 are going to be the number of years that man will be on this earth. I'm not sure about that, but I think I might agree with that. Then the thousand-year reign would come that would give us the seven days of Feast of Tabernacle at 7,000 years. And that will be a wonderful time. I can't imagine how it will be that Jesus would come and reign on this earth for a thousand years and how awesome that will be. But the thing that he's wanting us to see on the eighth day is that even as great a time as that is, there is something more. There is more to come. And so I believe that Revelation 21 speaks of the eighth day. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So let's talk about these first two verses a little bit. It says, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The best understanding for this is not necessarily new as we think of brand new, but a word that we understand more fully would be refreshed. A fresh earth, a refreshed heaven. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. In other words, it wasn't like it is today. There will be a new refreshed earth that will come down. How that's going to be, I don't know. <laughs> I cannot imagine. But John says he saw the holy city, the new, the refreshed Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be with his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. So what we understand right here is looking at Feast of Tabernacles and the thousand-year reign where Jesus comes 
and dwells with his people for a thousand years. Jesus, and rules and reigns from Jerusalem. But then the new Jerusalem comes down. The refreshed Jerusalem comes down. And in this place, God. God in the fullness. You see, the Father wasn't here during the thousand-year reign. Jesus was. But in the new Jerusalem, the Godhead, in the fullness. And I believe when it mentions this place, or says this place of God, is tabernacling with men. It is not just Jesus now. It is the fullness of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. This is where they come. It is a part, the eighth day is a part of tabernacles, but it's more. Now we see that being played out as God himself the fullness of who he is comes down to tabernacle with his people. So let's read that again in verse 3. It says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the foundation of the water of life freely to him who thirst. I want you to hold this right here. Hold your place, and I want you to go back to John 7 on page um, thir uh, 1231. Verse 37, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. And then you go back to Revelation 21, 6. And it says, He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, and the beginning and the end, I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. I believe as they came, 
and we're understanding this place of crying out for salvation. Jesus stood up on the eighth day, rehearsing for what would be to come, and says, if you're thirsty, come and drink. And this is the place that he is pointing us to, is in the New Jerusalem. If you want a place to read today, this is a great chapter to read in, in Revelation 21 and 22. But I want to close with chapter 22. We just don't have time to read all of 21 and 22 today, but it is a fabulous, fabulous reading. So starting in chapter 22, it said in verse 1, it says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life. Clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its streets and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their forehead. There shall be no more night there. They need no lamp, nor no light of the sun, for the Lord gives them light, and they shall reign forever endeavor. The eighth day. Oh, our hearts should rejoice today in celebration, rehearsing for what is to come as Jesus continues to point us that there is more than even when he comes to celebrate with us at Feast of Tabernacles for a thousand years, even in how wonderful there is more. Oh, that we might rejoice in that place today. Stand with me, please.
said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? And he brought me and he returned me to the river. He said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the valley and enters the sea. And when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the river goes, shall live.
earth and heaven will pass away. It's not a dream. God will make all things new that day. Gone is the curse from which I stumbled and fell. Evil is banished to eternal hell. No more night, no more pain, no more tears, never crying. And praises to the great I am. We will live in the light of the risen
Cheers. 